Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, Sandy, Greg, and Debbie are here as well. So is Adam Roberts. Yesterday at this time, we were preparing for the procession from the medical examiner's office to the funeral home in Brookfield for uh, Peter Jerving. And people have been wanting to know how they can make a difference. And it's wonderful when our community steps up. And I found a few ways that uh, you can help out Officer Jerving's family. First, a really sweet way, Jen's Sweet Treats in Cudahy. They have a reputation for stepping up in kind ways in our community. They're at it again next Thursday, February 16th. 100% of the sales of their cupcake boxes will be donated to Officer wow. Jerving's family. 100%. Yep. That's really cool. Yep. And uh, pre-orders are being taken now. You can look up Jen's Sweet Treats on Facebook, and they mm-hmm. have a website. Uh, so that's nice. Uh, out in Wind Lake, Kelly's Bleachers 2, on Friday, Officer Jerving was part of a volleyball group. They played every single Friday. So this Friday... As planned, his friends are going to get together uh, and hang out and play volleyball. They call themselves good peeps, uh, but they are going to pay tribute. (laughs) And the open invitation is out to anybody who's welcome, wants to come out and support this group of Officer Jerving's friends, and they will be having a fundraiser for Jerving's family. And that's in Wind Lake, you said? Yeah, Friday evening, 6.30 to 9.30 at Kelly's Bleachers 2 in Wind Lake. Very cool. Uh, Also, Milwaukee Police Association follows Fallen Heroes, Inc., they have started an online fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And it's not like GoFundMe where you see the tally. This really is just kind of a somber, quiet yeah. way to make a donation. And this Fallen Heroes, Inc. organization, you've probably heard of them before, but their sole purpose is to assist Milwaukee law enforcement officers and their families in the event of an officer's death or an injury. Important organization. They do a lot of good for a lot of families. Yeah, so look up Fallen Heroes, Inc. And then just in the showing support, you will see the Hone Bridge Light Up the Hone will be blue through Friday in honor of Officer Jerving. And I also noticed last night City Hall. There's some other buildings that were lit up blue. And I don't think that's a formal, an official, you know, hey, everybody should should do this. But it was nice to see that organic. And I would say, I would encourage any building. Or um, I remember Waukesha Strong, there were a lot of blue light bulbs on porches. But uh, however you choose to show your support um, to the entire organization and family who's feeling this loss and to those friends there were a lot of buildings i'd be interested maybe somebody out there knows you can text us the answer in the old national bank talk and text line 855-616-1620 how does this happen is it completely organic is there a network of governmental agencies or does somebody put the call out because i saw pictures today and there were many many buildings bathed in blue Mm -hmm. last night and it was such a cool thing to see if you know the answer, uh, shoot us a text. We'd be curious to know. 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. That is really good stuff. Yeah, I'll keep looking for more. I'm sure there will be more organizations and, and just groups of people who want to do something to help. So we'll keep you updated here on TMJ. Up next, one of the really good guys, Major Garrett, CBS's Chief Washington Correspondent, is with us live on WTMJ. Major Garrett is CBS's Chief Washington Correspondent. The Takeout Podcast is heard here on Saturdays on WTMJ, and his book is The Big Truth. You need to check it out. You can find it on Amazon or other places. Major, thank you so much for being with us. Great to be with you, John. How are you? Excellent. So I apologize. Yesterday you were scheduled, and we and we asked you if we could move uh, oh, the segment course. because we had a police officer shot here, and that leads me into what I wanted to ask you about. The state of police community relations, you and I have talked in the past, and you spent a lot of time talking about 
the state of the relationships. And I know it's hard to generalize, but when you think mm-hmm. this, of the, about the state of where things are in our nation when it comes to viewing of the police, what are some of the things that come to mind for you? So as I understand it, the officer was Peter Jerving, correct? That's correct, yep. My condolences to his family and everyone in the Milwaukee Police Department. Look, John, when I first started as a journalist for pay, meaning I graduated from college, got my first job, where was that? Amarillo, Texas. What did I do? I covered police in Amarillo, Texas. And I covered two instances where an officer was killed in the line of duty in Amarillo. And they were massive shocks to the community, massive shocks to the police department, everyone around, EMTs, everyone. Everyone feels it. Ripples and echoes for a very long time. It's a huge trauma. So I have some experience with what the community is going through in Milwaukee, and I feel for everyone involved. And it underscores something that we have got to resolve in our country broadly, which is two competing interests. One is justice, and the other is those with whom we empower to patrol our streets, maintain public safety, and work on behalf of that justice. And we've learned in the last 10 years, maybe 15, through the technology of cell phones, that the application of that justice is sometimes uneven and violent in disproportionate ways affecting African Americans in our country. That's just a fact. It's been hard for this country to see that evidence over and over and over again, as we have with cell phone videos and now body cam videos. It's a very hard thing to deal with because we didn't assume that about ourselves. We didn't know that about ourselves. It's not an indictment on all of us, but it is a significant issue that makes trust and believability and effectiveness in those communities touched by this ever the more difficult. And yet... We also can't describe those who work in police and law enforcement, sheriffs or police, as uniformly unjust. They aren't. The vast history of our country is that they're not uniformly unjust. And they have a very hard job that is perilous in every single second. And you never know when something is going to turn dire or deadly. And that fine line it falls in a space of nuance. And if there's anything that our country right now is having a very hard time communicating about is subjects where nuance is involved. And the simple truth is those waiting for the federal government to resolve this are going to be disappointed. This is going to be resolved first and foremost at the local level, communities talking to each other and within conversations about these nuances face-to-face. Because I think Washington is stuck on this, can't get around the partisan angles, but local communities can. And I hope Milwaukee and every other community in our country wrestling with this can make some progress. And that's exactly what Mayor Cavalier Johnson and the police chief, Jeffrey Norman, those are exactly the messages that came out as soon as this situation was announced, even before anyone was identified. That was it was they were heartfelt expressions the police chief even said my heart is heavy and his voice wavered yes. this yes. so oh, and I'm and sure asking it did. I'm sure it did. yeah asking the communities to talk to each other work together that that is how we can put begin to put an end to violence like this and 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 as i understand it i've done a teeny bit of reading on this i'm by no means an expert but the the suspect involved had just had some uh misdemeanors adjudicated and could have been Hell, but was given probation. 
that's a complicating factor. If that's the fact, and I don't want, I don't want to assume that I've got it all right. No, that's right. That's right. Um, that's going to aggravate those in the law enforcement community. Like this was not necessary. This didn't have to happen. That's a part of this conversation. The idea that a cashless bail is a pro or con. I know that was an issue in the Senate campaign in Wisconsin. It was an issue in other campaigns. Is that the right remedy? Is there something or has there been something historically unjust or disproportionate about people who are kept for pretrial detention? These are hard issues. They are not easily resolved. And the only way I believe to resolve them, I don't have, I don't have faith in Washington figuring this out. I just don't. And I really do believe the innovators, the solution drivers, the people who think creatively and compassionately about this are going to be found at the local level. All right, Major, I want to switch gears. We've got two minutes with you, but I was fascinated. I was running errands this weekend, and here on WTMJ, I heard your conversation on the takeout with Lonnie Bunch, the Smithsonian's Mm -hmm. first African-American secretary. Absolutely, I I was riveted. I stayed in my car at the grocery store so I could hear the end of the conversation. What did you learn that interested you the most during that hour that you sat down with him? So the Museum of African-American History and Culture is a massive museum. It's beautiful. It's remarkable. If you come to Washington, see it. Here's what I learned. Smithsonian has a lot of great museums on the National Mall. Most Americans are familiar with them, at least in a general sense. Most Americans spend, when they come to Washington, 90 minutes in any of those museums, except the history of African-American history and culture. They spend three and a half to four hours there. 30% of the people who come to that museum, Museum of African-American History and Culture, have never been to a museum before in their lives anywhere. So this museum is a magnet about the American story. And as you heard me say to John, John, to to Lonnie Bunch, and I was trying to find the right words for it, and I sort of scrambled around for it, but I think I came up with something close. If you're an African-American in this country, you always have to understand white America. You just have to. If you're a white American, you don't always have to understand or prioritize understanding black America. This museum is dedicated to the proposition that for white America to understand itself, it needs to know more about the experience of African-Americans here. And Lonnie Bunch, as the founder of this museum, the creator of it, who spent 11 years of his life making sure it became a reality, said that's its entire purpose, to help both of us understand each other better because we have a shared history and a common destiny. So give me the quote again, because I don't want to paraphrase it. You said something describing the museum and used light and dark. Yes, I said the, the, the museum is simultaneously heavy and light. Yes. And, and, and you feel incredible. both. You feel both emotions and sentiments as you go through the museum. The great heaviness of slavery, of discrimination, of Jim Crow, and the great sense of love, accomplishment, lightness, culture, and accomplishment that grew out of it. And I also learned what dwell time is. I'd never heard that term before. <laughs> I hadn't either. <laughs> <laughs> How long people spend in the museum, which oh, you referenced okay. I was earlier. Like, oh, I don't know what dwell time is. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's why... At the museum, Lonnie has something that he never wanted to have, which is you have to have an electronic pass, a QR code to get in. He never mm-hmm. wanted that. He wanted his people to walk up and go in. But they can't accommodate the crowds or the dwell time if they do it that way. It has to be scheduled. That's how popular and powerful it is. That must make him feel wonderful, though, that people are sure. that attracted to this museum. So you've got yeah. to check it out. Check out the podcast, the Takeout Podcast, heard on WTMJ. It's this sort of conversation every single week. Major Garrett is the chief Washington correspondent for CBS News. His book is The Big Truth. Major, thank you so much for always being so generous with us. Thanks, John.
Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Hey, I want to mention this. The Stars and Stripes Honor Flights having their second annual gala. It's coming up uh, in the middle of March, and tickets are still available, but they are selling fast. If you'd like to help us celebrate our heroes, our veterans will be there. Music will be there. Incredible food. It's at a beautiful facility in Brookfield. I'm going to MC it. It's going to be a great night to celebrate our heroes. Go to starsandstripeshonorflight.org. You can get ticket information there, starsandstripeshonorflight.org. You can buy a table. You can buy an individual ticket. I'd urge you to consider coming out and hanging out with us for the night. It's going to be a wonderful night, starsandstripeshonorflight.org. Let's bring in our friend meteorologist Brian Niznanski. Uh, it Niz, doesn't I guess get any better than that. It, it's pretty good, isn't it? Um, yeah, glad we awesome. have you here today because the snow's coming. It's going to be rain first. I know you've been looking really closely at kind of the track of this thing. Yeah, tell me if you heard this before. The heaviest snow is going to stay north and west of Metro Milwaukee. <laughs> I mean, that's that's been the trend with all these systems this year, um, and it looks to be the case again uh, for us heading into tomorrow. It sounds familiar. So, can you kind of track out <laughs> yeah. uh, amounts? And I know we're still a ways away, but where are we looking? Like the lines going to be? This is kind of a complicated no. forecast. It is, um, but I think we got a pretty good handle on things here. Um, it definitely looks like everybody's going to start off with rain late tonight into tomorrow morning. In fact, most of the morning commute, most of us are going to be dealing with wet roads and quite a bit of rain. We could end up with like a half inch to an inch hmm. of rainfall uh, here in Milwaukee. But then we're going to start to see that transition over to snow. First for our northwestern spots, we're talking like Beaver Dam and Fond du Lac, and then eventually working its way down to west bend and eventually Waukesha and then eventually here in Milwaukee later on in the morning and probably not here in Milwaukee until more like midday. That's when we'll start to transition over to some snow and we may only have a couple hours of snow, actual snow falling here in Milwaukee during the afternoon hours. So uh, with that all in mind, with that later transition to snow, the snow amounts are going to shape up like this. I think here in Milwaukee, probably around an inch of slush. You start to get into like the northwestern suburbs, let's say German town maybe get two three inches of slush and then by the time you make it all the way up to Fond du Lac we could be talking about a six inch snowfall very wet heavy stuff here. so another pretty healthy snow uh, for our northwestern spots so um, we'll keep an eye on it obviously a little wiggle could affect some of our you know totals uh, but I feel pretty good that Milwaukee Racine Kenosha Lake Geneva, we're not going to get much snow out of this one. You got it. You got to head northwest of Metro Milwaukee. Slush is just another word for slop, though, isn't it? Another four-letter <laughs> <It is>. word. <laughs> it, it is. And you know, I was I was talking to meteorologist Brendan Johnson about this. Uh, Brendan, our newest meteorologist, who's doing a fantastic job. We were talking. Um, you know, maybe this is a climate change kind of thing. I normally don't like you know pin a specific storm or event on anything like that but this area of low pressure is taking what typically is especially this time of year we're talking middle of winter february um it's taking a very favorable track that we would see an all snow event here in southeastern wisconsin where the center of low pressure goes across chicago or even Mm -hmm. south of chicago that usually spells big time heavy snow but we're going to be just too warm uh at the lower levels of the atmosphere to see all snow at this event um i could be a little bit more basic with it um and just say that the lake michigan is still a 
few degrees warmer than normal. So that's having a factor in this. When you have a northeast wind, it's going to come off of the lake, and we're going to end up with more of that slop versus that pure snow. But, yeah, this has the look of more of like a spring snow versus the middle of winter type system. Boy, if you get three inches or more and it's heavy and wet, that can be a pain and yeah. it can be dangerous. That's that's One, not easy to move. Yeah. I always tell, like, the newsroom, it, like – I normally, like, you guys know me, I'm not going to, like, over-hype craziness and, like, talk crazy about something. Um, But, like, it's true. Like, if you get, like, three inches of really wet, heavy snow and, you know, you're not in, like, really good shape, like, you know, that's really tough stuff. They call it heart attack snow for a reason Um, because, I mean, you we hear about people dying who's shoveling snow and they shouldn't be shoveling snow. So just keep that in mind tomorrow because it will have that type of liquid content to it. All right, detail out the uh, next couple of days starting tonight for us, if you would, Brian. Yeah, you bet. Uh, as we head into tonight, uh, cloudy skies. Now, rain moves in after midnight tonight. And by the time most of us get going tomorrow morning, it's going to be soggy outside. Rain will continue here in Milwaukee through the morning hours, but transition over to snow northwest of Milwaukee. And then by midday, we see that transition here in Milwaukee. So, again, looks like one to three inches of snow for most of us. You get up far northwest, then you're in that three to six inch zone. High temperature, 38 degrees. The snow is gone by tomorrow evening commute. And then Friday, mostly cloudy skies, windy, colder, just a slight chance of a snow shower 30 degrees saturday partly cloudy pleasant 38 weekend looks excellent sunday partly cloudy and mild a high of 43 degrees i got plans to smoke a brisket for super bowl yeah sitting in my garage it's gonna be great That's monday living. mostly yeah <laughs> mostly cloudy and mild in a temperature of 42 degrees on monday so yeah more early spring like weather in the next week guys all right meteorologist brian Nisnansky. thanks niz yeah take care guys later so a woman goes into surgery And she's a Hispanic woman from Texas and wakes up with a full-on British accent. You will hear the woman and other stories that are similar. It's called Foreign Accent Syndrome. That's after Debbie's Traffic up next on WTMJ. Interesting story from North Carolina. Apparently there are very rare cases of people having major surgery sometimes for cancer, usually involving part of the brain, that leads to something called foreign accent syndrome. Here's what happened to a guy in North Carolina. He has prostate cancer. He goes in and he has surgery. They think it's confined to his prostate. He wakes up and he has an Irish brogue, a big, thick accent. He's never visited Ireland He has no Irish in his background, none in his family, and he wakes up from surgery. He's in his mid-50s with an uncontrollable Irish brogue. The team then goes in, the surgical team, and they realize that the cancer has metastasized and he has some in his brain. But he has this huge Irish brogue. Now, the story doesn't have a very happy ending because the guy eventually passes away. He goes through chemotherapy, radiation, his cancer spreads rapidly, and he dies a year later. But the last year of his life, he spoke with an Irish accent and in everything. Like, he was from Ireland. That's what I was going to ask you. Was it the entire time? Yes. He never went back to his normal dialect or accent. at what point, I love the TV show House, you know, so, like, at (laughs) what point does somebody figure out that this is a symptom and it is a syndrome instead of, oh, there's funny Uncle Bob, you know, like, putting us on... Like, like, how do you convince your nurses and doctors that you aren't 
oh, top of the morning to you. You know, like just having fun during a really horrible time of your life. Like, aren't you looking for some outlets to have some sort of joy? And don't you think this would be seen as maybe a practical Wouldn't joke? it be impossible to stay in character, though, for a year, 24-7? You chose something. Well, I, he didn't choose. But at right. least an Irish brogue is yeah. fun and delightful and people can play with you. So I have examples of this. So okay. this guy, there's no audio of this guy. But this has happened, they think, less than 100 times in America. Ever. Ever. So there was a lady in Texas six years ago Mm -hmm. who went in for surgery. Not cancer surgery, but she went in for surgery, and she's Hispanic and had a pretty big Hispanic accident, accident, accent, excuse me. And she woke up with a British accent. Listen to this. People who don't know me, hey, where are you from? I'm from Rosenberg. Oh, where's, where's that? I'm like, we're here in Rosenberg. Oh, you're from here. How do you talk like that? So that's when the whole story comes up. She was, she was initially afraid that others would think she was weird or putting on an act. Like Madonna. So she stayed yeah. silent. I didn't know the reaction I was going to get from people. So I didn't know, are they going to judge me? Uh, are they going to think I'm lying? Are they going to even understand how I'm speaking? She has children. Her children found mom after the surgery with this big British accent. I thought she was playing around with me. I thought she was joking with me, but then she showed me that like the doctor had told her she was diagnosed with foreign accent syndrome and she searched it and then I was like, oh Lord. Can you imagine if you went in for surgery or your loved one went in for surgery and they woke up with a big British accent or a thick Irish brogue? Well, number one, I would be charmed. But number two, like I, yeah, I would think that whoever it is, whether it's my mom, my boyfriend, my cousin, I would think that they were having fun or still hopped up on anesthesia. And, you know, like I just I, it would take me a long time to go, oh, this is a thing. But if your guy Mike woke up with this, you would believe him at some point. You can't stay in character forever. Oh, I wouldn't, but it would it would take me a long time. Like, I would still think it's a shtick of some sort. Like, huh. you know, I wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't you, especially the woman who you just played, if you hadn't told me she was a Hispanic woman from Texas, she sounded English to me. Like, I she, guess. There wasn't any drawl in there. Like, it, right. it, it was a better, it was a but better that's accent why I than I But that's I why I wouldn't do. think it was fake. Because if I was acting or putting it on, I think you'd be able to. Hear that or tell I, th- this that. sounds like a question for Dr. Raymond when he is in next, because I'd, I'd be curious to know what happens, because th- there's there's something in your brain that triggers your speech, right? It goes yep. from your brain to your mouth and out your mouth, and sometimes it's better than others. But somewhere in that process, something has to be triggered to alter your speech. Like, like what, it, what is it? Like, what, what's, what's the message being sent from brain to mouth that gets distorted? In this way, it's fascinating, and is also so good. It, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, right. I would love to talk like to a, a British. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I'd love to I'd love to talk to an English person and say, "Where is that? Is it Chelsea? Is it is not Cockney?" But you know, <laughs> it's just like we have regional dialects here, and you know, right. somebody's from the south or the east or the west. It's it would be fascinating to know. Oh yeah, and that is a Liverpool accent, or which it isn't, but it. That's how, how do you get that dynamic of the lilt? I could see how you could get a dynamic if your wires get crossed and you and speak that's basically differently. What happens. That, so that's basically what happens. It says the rare condition develops 
when cancers or other disruptions to the brain cause an immune response which disrupts the nervous system, disrupts the connections that are tied to speech, and disrupts the pathways that have been built over years and years and years. But how does it disrupt it so suddenly you're talking Irish or you're talking... You could, I found other cases where someone had... Um, an Australian accent, or someone had an Hispanic accent, and they had never been anywhere where Spanish was spoken. Here's what's even stranger: if it's this foreign accent, could you wake up and start speaking like Robin Williams used to? Oh my God! You know, like could it be a, <laughs> like I would find it more believable, I, and I, I do believe this. Don't get me wrong, but I would find it more understandable if it was somebody who you'd seen all the time. You start talking like Johnny Depp in a movie that you like. Yeah. Like, if you were impersonating someone, makes more sense to me because that would be ingrained in, like, your pop culture and your subconscious, not actually doing a very convincing Irish brogue. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's really, really fascinating.